this episode is on menorrhagia. So menorrhagia is uh, a quite common presentation, yet it's um, quite difficult to work through sometimes. The definition is uh, that you've got more than 80 mils of loss of menstrual fluid over the course of a period. However, this is probably completely valueless in the clinical setting. Precise volume measurement is difficult um, to the point where it's probably completely incorrect some of the time or most of the time. Um, more useful definition is excessive menstrual blood loss that has an impact on lifestyle or results in iron deficiency. The impacts on your life should not be underestimated and include socialised isolation, workplace, absences. And if you've got iron deficiency, you get symptoms like lethargy, weakness, dizziness, pallor and feeling cold. Although menorrhagia can occur as an isolated symptom, it's commonly associated with other menstrual problems such as dysmenorrhea, abnormal cyclicity and premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And you should take these into account when you're making the plan. The causes of menorrhagia can be divided into iatrogenic causes, generalised causes and local causes. So iatrogenic causes include use of anticoagulants such as warfarin and um, non-hormonal intrauterine contraceptive devices. Generalised causes can be include things like hypothyroidism and bleeding disorders such as immune thrombocytopenic pupera or von Willebrand's disorder or haemophilia. Uh, other causes might include liver and renal disease and other coagulation disorders. The last general cause of menorrhagia is local causes such as fibroids, adenomyosis, polyps, pelvic inflammatory disease and physiological, which is basically dub. can also include pelvic inflammatory disease and cervical cancer. So the assessment of it is to start with a history and get a comprehensive medical history. Things to consider are to determine when the periods first started and what their initial pattern was like. Ask about recent periods including regularity, duration of bleeding, clots, pain, mid-cycle bleeding, post-coital bleeding, dyspneuria and any pre-menstrual symptoms. And be sure to check it's due to a real period and not a withdrawal bleed from the contraceptive pill. Ask about contraception because um, things like Depo-Provera Implanon can cause irregular bleeding. Ask about pregnancy. Ask about a history of antepartum or postpartum hemorrhage. Ask about medical history including bleeding disorders, endocrine disorders, STIs, liver and kidney disease. And don't forget to inquire about pap smears. Ask about medications including hormones and anticoagulants. Ask about surgery such as previous hysteroscopy or laparoscopy. And ask about a family history of hereditary bleeding disorders. The physical exam should always be appropriate to the bleeding. General exam should be done looking for pallor, 
systems review including exam of the thyroid gland and abdominal exam for masses. Vaginal exams should be restricted to those women who have or have been sexually active. Doing a swab for chlamydia might be appropriate. Doing a pap smear might be appropriate. Investigations would include full blood count, iron studies, you can do coagulation disorders if you suspect a bleeding disorders. Full iron studies uh, can be done, but serum ferritin is cheap. Liver and renal function can also be done. Hormonal assays are not usually needed, but if there are signs of thyroid disease and do a TFT, you can do a luteal phase progesterone to confirm ovulation, and a serum FSH can sometimes be helpful in the perimenopausal period, and always do a beta HCG. <coughs> Pelvic ultrasound scan is highly useful, um, and you can get a good view of the anatomy of the pelvis. You can look for endometrial polyps, uterine fibroids, adenomyosis. Uh, although you might need to do saline hysterography to distinguish a polyp from endometrial hyperplasia. Other medical imaging is rarely required, such as CT or MRI. And hysteroscopy is a good investigation to do visual inspection after failed conservative management or where there's been an abnormal ultrasound scan. Uh, you can take photos and if needed, remove polyps. So moving on to the treatment modalities for menorrhagia. Basically, you've got three kind of types. You've got medical, surgical, and ancillary. Starting with ancillary measures, um, you can give iron for iron deficiency. Uh, this would include explanation and reassurance, uh, and you know the periods might be normal, and it might just involve uh, education about that. Iron deficiency can be treated with oral iron and ascorbic acid supplements, but bearing in mind it takes normal, normally several weeks to be achieved. If you've got symptomatic anemia, you may need a blood transfusion, and ongoing dietary advice about iron-rich foods is important. In terms of medication, there's a number of different drugs. The drugs include NSAIDs, tranexamic acid, the pill, GnRH agonists, oral progestogen, depoprogestogen, implanon, which is an etonogestural implant, and levonorgestrel IUD, which is a marina. <coughs> Drug therapy is almost, almost always the first line of treatment, and about 50% will have a satisfactory response. The choice of those drugs will depend on several factors, including if you want to use pregnancy in the want to have pregnancy in the immediate future, then using tranexaminic acid and NSAIDs are the most practical alternatives. If estrogen's contraindicated because you're MEC4 or MEC3, <coughs> you should not use an OCP, but you could still use a progestogen. Um, if progestogens have caused unacceptable side effects, you could still use a Mirena. Um, and if you've got proven endometriosis, then you can use a GnRH agonist like Gazelarin, which is Zolodex, can be used. And in this situation, the drug carries a subsidy for six months treatment. The surgical uh, interventions include endometrial ablation,
it needs to be aware there's a subs um, a risk to pregnancy for future pregnancies. Uh, treatment of fibroids, so removing fibroids or hysterectomy, um, which will definitely solve the problem, but needs to be balanced against the risks and harms. Um, in terms of the advantages and disadvantages of the medications, NSAIDs advantages are that it's cheap and can be used long term, it's over the counter and effective. Disadvantages are that it's not as effective as other agents, GI side effects, headache, tinnitus and allergic reactions in asthma, so the normal disadvantages. For tranexamic acid, it can be used long term, doesn't prevent pregnancy, can reduce blood loss by 50% can be used with other meds, only needs to be taken for two to three days in each cycle and is useful in acute episodes. The disadvantages of it are that it's contraindicated with a history of thrombosis, you might get a skin rash, GI side effects and doesn't relieve pain. The pill is, the advantages are that it's effective, long-term, inexpensive, can block menstruation, will also regulate your cycle, relieve dysmenorrhea and provide contraception. <clears throat> the disadvantages are the normal disadvantages with the pill. GnRH agonists are the advantages are it's very effective in blocking menstruation, can reduce the size of fibroids, and breakthrough bleeding is uncommon. The disadvantages of GnRH are that it's very expensive, you have a risk of osteoporosis with long term use, and you do get menopausal or androgenic side effects. They're uncommon, but they do occur. Oral progestogen may be used long term, is inexpensive and effective, uh, and side effects are breakthrough bleeding, weight gain, mood changes, acne, and loss of libido. Depo Provera is the same. They need to be aware of the long term infertility complications that might occur after that. Etonogestural implant, Implanon, uh, it's convenient, lasts for three years, can be removed, removed if needed. The Marina, which is Levonorgestrel IUD, it's convenient, lasts for five years. <coughs> you get less progestogen side effects, can be removed, uh, and it's easy to insert. The disadvantages of breakthrough bleeding is very common. Insertion can be difficult. Expulsion and perforation can happen, but are rare, and efficacy is less if you've got submucous fibroids or adenomyosis. In summary, menorrhagia is a common symptom. The diagnosis is made with a combination of history, investigations and understanding of physiology. Conservative management with a wide variety of drugs is usually effective and commonly undertaken. Surgery is reserved for more complex cases and for failed medical management.